1 Corinthians 15, we'll read verses 1 through 8. I have 3 for 8, I think, in your bulletin. That bulletin, man, you should get that figured out. 1 Corinthians 15, verses 1 through 8. 1 Corinthians 15, Now I would remind you, brothers, of the gospel I preached to you, which you received, in which you stand, and by which you are being saved, if you hold fast to the word I preached to you, unless you believed in vain. For I delivered to you as of first importance what I also received, that Christ died for our sins in accordance with the Scriptures, that He was buried, that He was raised on the third day in accordance with the Scriptures, and that He appeared to Cephas, then to the twelve. Then He appeared to more than 500 brothers at one time, most of whom are still alive, though some have fallen asleep. Then He appeared to James, then to all the apostles. Last of all, as to one untimely born, He appeared also to me." Grass withers, the flower fades, word of our God stands forever. So I've got a, I've got a gimmick to introduce this morning, and I'll be the first. I, if you've been in my Bible studies and stuff, I don't like gimmicks, so I'm like breaking my own rules. So if you hate this, don't worry, we won't do it next week. If you like this, enjoy it, because you're never going to see it again. So here's, here's what we're going to do. I'm gonna, this, is, this has got some audience participation, kids. You can follow along even with this. And this is the participation. We're going to say, when I do this, it is Christ died for our sins. Christ died for our sins. He was buried. He was raised. Is that complicated? If that's complicated, we got trouble. All right? Christ died. So we're going to try it. We're going to say this along with me this time. Practice with me. Christ died for our sins. He was buried. He was raised. All right, that wasn't bad, kids. You get that? I, I, and I'm helping you out, children, because when you go to Easter lunch this afternoon or whatever, and your grandma says, what's Easter about? Or what you learned at church, you've got a really easy answer. You say to her, what? You say, Christ died for our sins. He was buried. He was raised. All right, that's what we're going to do. Okay, so that's my gimmick, but we can all do that. And, and honestly, if you can remember that, you basically have 1 Corinthians 15, verses 3 through 4 memorized. Paul says there, we just read it, For I delivered unto you what I also received, that Christ died for our sins, in accordance with the Scriptures, that He was buried, that He was buried, that He was raised three days later according to the Scriptures. That's 1 Corinthians 15, 3 through 4. So nice work this morning, church. You basically have memorized 1 Corinthians 15.3. Let's try one more time. We're going to need this in the, throughout the sermon, okay? Christ died for our sins. He was buried. He was Very good. I like it. Now, let's talk about mailmen. Is anyone else... If you don't get that joke... Is, does anyone else find mailmen annoying? I, I just, you know, you... You want, you're expecting a check, this, and this is the talk, this is the talk they always get. You're expecting a check, and what do they bring you? They bring you bills. You know, that's, and you're waiting for this check, they bring you bills. And then if, if for some reason you want the bill to come because you've got money that you owe somebody, you just want to find out how much it is, so you can get it paid, they only bring you advertisements, magazines. 
Ma'am, and does anyone, I mean, sometimes you just want to, you just want to mess them up a little bit. You can rough up, does anybody ever want to rough up their mailman? It's important that I know this. <laughs> uh, okay, that's, I, I, I'll take the hint. All right. Okay, so you, but you get the absurdity. I'm a mailman, by the way, in either job. Uh, the absurdity of being mad at the mailman for not bringing you what you want. Can I just say to you, I only bring to you what I've received. Like, I'm not up at the post office writing your checks or sending out your bills. We just, the mailman only brings you what he's received. He doesn't make the mail. He just brings the mail, right? It's, that's pretty easy to understand. The, I don't walk around, the mailman, I'll say the mailman, doesn't walk around with a checkbook in his back pocket. And you say, well, I was expecting a $1,000 check today. And he says, okay, Paul, it isn't, he doesn't make it. He doesn't make the mail. He just delivers what he has received. This is what Paul is saying here in 1 Corinthians 15 and verse 3. He says, listen, I delivered unto you just what I've received. This gospel message is not something Paul is cooking up. It's not something the apostles are just trying to figure out. What do we tell people? How do we build this uh, church? They simply deliver what they have received. Paul says, for I delivered unto you that which I also received. I deliver what you have received. When it comes to the gospel message, which is what Paul is talking about here, when it comes to the gospel message, it is not a message that has been, uh, has just, it is a message that has been received by us, not conceived by us. God has done the work of the gospel. He has conceived of the gospel. He has performed the gospel in sending His Son to die on the cross for our sins, as our text says this morning. He's conceived of the gospel. He's performed the work of the gospel. And He's the one that communicates the gospel to us. We have this book where God has clearly revealed Himself to us. This is not something we have conceived and delivered. When it comes to the gospel, God has done the work. God has done the work. He's done the thought on it. He has thought of it in eternity past. He performed it through the work of His Son and His life and death, burial, and resurrection, and He communicates it to us through this Word. It is a declaration that has, only been, uh, that has only been declared for us to be received, for us to receive. So this morning, when we think about for a few minutes the Gospel, I know I'm the one up here talking. I'm trying as hard as I can to remain faithful to this text. That's why my gimmick was just the Scripture. All right, it's Christ died. What's, what's, what's the scripture? Christ died for our sins. He was buried. He was raised. I didn't make that up, folks. That's not for me. This is God's gospel message to you. This is God's message to you. I'm not conceiving to deliver. This is what we have received from God to be delivered unto us. So then, what is the content of this declaration, this gospel? Paul's talking about this gospel. He says in verse 1, I remind you, brothers, of the gospel I preach to you. And what is this gospel that he's preached to them? What is the content of this gospel? Well, first of all, it is this, right? It is that Christ died for our sins. Christ died for our sins. So we've had some fun here. Let's get serious for a minute. The reality that Christ has died for our sins means two things for sure. It means that we have sinned. 
and that that sin deserves death. Christ has died for our sins means at least these two things. We have sin and that sin deserves death. These two realities spelled out so clearly in in verses the CYF kids, the kids club here is memorizing. Romans 3.23, you've probably heard, you've been around church much. For all have sinned and fall short of the glory of God. If you're sitting in here, you have sinned. You have fallen short of the glory of God. So when we say Christ died for our sins, it is that one big reality is we all have sin. And the second great reality is that it's not great. The second terrible reality is that that sin deserves death. Romans 6.23 says clearly, the wages of sin is death. There is sin. It is committed by us. It is done by us. And that sin, the wage, the payoff for that sin is death. Now you say it's Easter Sunday, Darren. Why are we talking about death? Good Friday and Easter Sunday can't be separated. The reason why we sing so loud on Easter Sunday is because Jesus is resurrected through all that he had done on Good Friday. We cannot separate these two realities. We must have a clear understanding of what it was that was taking place on Good Friday on that cross when Jesus hung there and died. We must have a clear understanding. Christ Christ died for our sins. Christ died for our sins. When we look at Good Friday and the cross of Jesus, we must see there the punishment for a sinfulness, that there was punishment for our sinfulness that was dealt out. The punishment that you see on the cross is not for Christ. It's not his punishment. It's someone else's. In one way, Jesus hanging on the cross is the worst act ever to be done. That an innocent man, that, that a, what a heinous, a sinful act, that an innocent man would be hung on a cross. In many ways, it was the worst moment in history that we killed an innocent man. Pure. And when I say innocent, I mean real innocent. Not innocent like you say, I'm innocent of the crime officer. Not that kind of innocent. We're talking always innocent. This man, always innocent, yet is hung there. At the same time, it is the worst act ever in history. It's also the greatest act of history. The wrath that we have coming to us as sinners. The wrath that every one of you have deserved, that you are deserving of, that you have coming your way because you are a sinner against a holy and righteous God is laid upon Jesus on his cross. He, the, the wrath that we had coming for us and would receive as a final condemnation in hell, Jesus receives upon himself. He is wounded so that we can be welcomed. He is abandoned so that we can be adopted. He is crushed so that we could be crowned with righteousness. He was forsaken so that we would be forgiven. This picture survived from the last uh, first Christian church that, that was here and burnt down. But they, they saved this stained glass window. And you see the middle of the picture there is Jesus at the Garden of Gethsemane. And he's praying, Father, if this, if this cup can't pass away unless I drink it, your will be done. What cup is he talking about there? He's talking about the cup of God's wrath. That every sin, God in his mercy, the the sins committed against him, he's piling them up in a cup. He's withholding the instantaneous death that we all deserve for it. And what is Jesus praying there? God, if this cup can pass away, let it. 
But if I have to drink it, your will be done. And what we see on the cross is Christ drinking the cup of wrath that we deserve. So good news is, first of all, Christ died for our sins. All right, people. Christ died for our sins. He was buried. He was raised. Christ was buried. Christ and his humanity is very real. He takes our sin and our penalty all the way into death itself. Jesus didn't swoon on the cross. Jesus didn't pass out to go take a little break and come up three days later. They stabbed a spear into his side. Jesus really died. It wasn't a half sacrifice that Jesus did half the work and now you do the rest. It was a whole sacrifice. Christ died for our sins and he was buried. He went all the way into the tomb. Jesus took our sin all the way to death. And thirdly, he was raised. Jesus does not stay dead. God does not permit his son to corrupt in the grave. God raises him up. This resurrection bodily from the grave. We read the text of John 20. He went and and was with his disciples. They saw him. They stuck their hands in his wounds. They ate with him. This bodily real resurrection was God's stamp of affirmation on the work of his son. God's re- his, Jesus' resurrection is God's making good and accomplishing what he said he would do. The resurrection is the first fruits of what will be the resurrection of all believers one day. 2 Corinthians chapter 4 says this, since we have, this is verse 13, if you want to look it up sometime, 2 Corinthians 4, 13. Since we have the same spirit of faith, according to what has been written, I believe and so I spoke, we also believe and so we also speak, knowing, verse 14, knowing that he who raised the Lord Jesus will raise us also with Jesus and bring us with you into his presence. There is a, because Jesus, because he was raised, there is a real resurrection coming for those who are his. And Paul sees this as the motivation for making it through life. Paul suffers a lot. And he says in verse 16, through the midst of all this lifetime of suffering, we do not lose heart, though our outer self is wasting away. Though our outer self is wasting away. Our inner self is being renewed day by day. For in this light momentary affliction is preparing for us an eternal weight of glory beyond all comparison as we look not to the things that are seen, but to the things that are unseen. For the things that are seen are transient or temporal, but the things that are unseen are eternal. This same Jesus who promised his resurrection is also the same Jesus who promises to return and renew all things. He's going to renew this broken world and dwell with his people forever. Because he was raised, all those who trust in him will finally one day be free of all sin, of all sickness, of all death, and all sorrow. And why do we have that? Because he was raised. He was raised. The realization of this resurrection is what gives the Christian great hope. Great hope. God is a God who makes good on his promises and is powerful enough to accomplish exactly what he wants to do. The good news is this, folks, right? Ready? Christ died for our sins. He was buried. He was raised. This is good news. And we are, as a people, 
desperate for good news. And I'm desperate for real good news. Desperate for real good news. Because so often in this world, even the good news you get, you always know it's just, it's a fading good news. It's a temporal good news. Even the best of news that you can get doesn't last forever. It'd be a downer for a second. The reality is this. We don't know how many Easter's we have left. God, and I want many more Easter's with all of you. So let me just put that out there. I'm not wishing ill on anyone. But the reality is, we, for some, this may be our last Easter. For some, this may be our last Sunday. So it's good news you're here today. But that's always comes with a bit of a temporal good news, doesn't it? I like good news, but man, I want real good news. I want something that doesn't fade, that doesn't go away, that is real. And what I want to give you this morning, what I want you to hear this morning is real good news. Real good news. Not just kind of good news, not temporal good news, but the best news of all that outweighs and outlasts any and all bad news you could ever be handed out. And what is this good news? It is this. Christ died for your sins. He was buried he was raised. You know, I, as I pastor, I have to go visit the hospitals and got a good friend sitting over here that he is in the hospital and he wants, he has certain things he wants to do in, in his, with his life and, and they're, they're good, honorable things. I, I, I love him for what he wants to do, but he got laid up in the hospital uh, and was unable to perform the duties that he wanted to perform. Well, good news, he's, he's out, Right. He's done. The pneumonia is gone or whatever, and he's good to go. And so that's good news, right? It's good news. It's good news. But there's as good as that news is, I've got better news. We have better news than just temporal good news. And it is that Christ died for our sins. He was buried. He was raised. That's real good news that will last throughout eternity. This is the good news that I want to deliver to you. I mean, as I visited several of you struggling in life, um, having little kids that have to go up and hang out and blank for a few days, you think, man, this is terrible, and they're out, and it's good news, isn't it? But there is real good news. There is real good news that outlasts and outweighs them all. If you know my family's story, I don't mean to if you've, not, if you've heard it, but, you know, we've been through a rough, my crew's been through a rough year and a half. My daughter, after Christmas last year, was diagnosed, or was discovered she had an undiagnosed congenital heart defect. And so we had to spend weeks up in the hospital getting surgery on that. And you know what? She's doing great. She's recovered well. And thank God, it's good news. It's good news that she's doing well. Well, then we got through the summer and went through Disney World. Everything was great. And then my wife comes down and is diagnosed with a, with a cancerous tumor on her intestine. I mean, that's not good news. But she's gone through chemo. She's gone through radiation. She's got three radiation treatments left. And the radiologists, the oncologists, the doctors, they, they love what they're seeing. They are very happy. And let me tell you, that's good news to me. That's good news. I mean, it is. I mean, and you, you think, yeah, of course it's good news. No, I'm telling you, I'm a wreck without that. This girl, right? I mean, I've been chasing Darla since second grade. <laughs> and, and, like, and like with Ernest since eighth grade, I dated a few others in elementary school. Does it count? Anyway, I, you know, I've been pursuing her since eighth grade. I'm a wreck. When bad news comes to her, you know, it's the gut. It rips your guts out. You guys know what that's like. So it's good news. But I need you to preach to me and preach to her 
there's even better news than that. There's even better news than that. And what's the best news of all? Christ died for our sins. He was buried. He was raised. And one day, that resurrection, He leapt out of that tomb. We will leap out of that tomb. We will leap out of our graves should the Lord tarry. We will leap out of our graves and we will join Him and, and, and in the fullness of His joy forever. That's the good news of Easter. There's better news than you could have ever imagined. News that will never fade. News that secures my wife's future, that secures my future, that can secure yours for your eternal good. My plea with you, trust this good news. Cling to this good news. Repent of your sinfulness. You know it. I know it. Stop. Let's stop pretending. Stop hiding. We all are sinning against what we know God has for us to do. Repent. You have a Savior who took the penalty for you upon His cross so that you could be saved. What did He do? Christ died for our sins. He was buried. He was raised. That's Easter good news. It's good news for you. My plea for all of us and my plea with God, enable us, empower us, fill us with faith to trust this good news. Let's pray. Father, give us eyes to see this good news and rejoice in it today. Pray these things in Jesus' name. Amen.